Welcome to Balancing Act, uh, where we attempt to master time, life, and money. I'm Sam McEwen with my co-host and good friend, Linda Wilson. Hi, everyone. We're here today. We're going to talk about perspective, and Linda has a, uh, a different perspective on things than I do, and she has a really good definition, and we're going to get into various areas where perspective matters. So, Linda, why don't you talk to us about uh, the definition and the beginning of, of our conversation on perspective? Awesome. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Um, according to Merriam-Webster, perspective can be a mental view or prospect, um, a visible scene. As a photographer, I use perspective in, in my work. It can also be the interrelation in which a subject or its parts are mentally viewed. So again, that's a point of view. The capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. And again, that's going to be individual, the technique or process of representing, okay, a picture and perspective. So what, what I think is kind of interesting about all of the um, official definitions of perspective is that it doesn't talk about that it's unique to each yeah. individual. Mm -hmm. And whatever it is we're doing in our life, we need to be very cognizant of the fact that even if we have similar circumstances, similar things we've gone through with someone else. I mean, even in family situations, everybody's perspective is unique and it's different and it needs to be honored for that. There is no wrong perspective because perspective is extremely personal and individual. And we need to, we need to, be looking at that in all of our interactions, whether it's family, it's business, it's personal, just whatever we're doing, whether it's on the job. Um, you just have to, you have to remember that people don't see this things the same way you do. Well, even as we're talking today, um, in, in your background, what, what do people focus on? What do they look at first? Do they look at the, the plant? and and think like i did while well, i'd probably kill that in about three weeks um, <laughs> you know or or do they catch and i haven't i don't know what's there but it looks like there's a a figurine of an angel on the um the it's the a little it's a little handle. uh christmas ornament that's okay, you know okay and then there's angels a, hanging everywhere <laughs> yeah there you go and then off just off to the right in my what i see and and what i'm looking at it is it it looks like there's a very nice piece of china sitting up or may it may it could be a tr serving tray i don't know but from where i look at it you know what is it that i see first what right. is it that grabs my attention that's my perspective you know and uh, some people may not see any of that right and when you think about it um think about when you like if there's an accident witness statements or there's oh, yeah. a crime witness statements. People wonder how the statements that people give can be so different when they were all there. Mm -hmm. Well, they were all there, but you know, if I was involved, I'm only going to remember what's like right here. Mm -hmm. um, if someone was involved with me, they might've been standing right next to me. So that's just a, small change 
in view or perspective of what they could have seen, what they could have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different things that capture our attention depending on who we are. As a photographer, I tended to start with the overall picture and then hone in. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of times that I took photos that I got something in the photo that I didn't realize at the time, but it's what made the photo right. great. And it could be the person standing on the other side. I mean, if you go out and, you know, we'll talk about this later, but there's, if you just turn around to look at something, walk around the table or change the angle of your camera, whatever, it could be looking at the same thing, but you're getting it at a different angle and a different mm-hmm. viewpoint. And that brings different things out. And yeah, that, and that, that's so yeah. true. We talked about this a while ago perspective put something on a table when when you're struggling with it and mm-hmm. I, I think i brought up my uncle used to do puzzles when he was alive and he did one that was one of these psychedelic psychedelic spirals black and white and Ooh. the puzzle was round and there is i mean my mind had a hard time capturing it. and i was young uh a teenager anyway and but that's what he did he did them on a card table and he would walk around and look at look at the various pieces. She had them all laid out and everything. Else. Well, where do you I, when and when it's a round puzzle, mm-hmm. how do you get the outer edges right? And but that's what he would do. And he could look at things like that. He 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 was really good at taking that step back. And and in in our realm of business training, coaching, mentoring, um, you have to be able to take a step back when it comes to your clients and and the people that we work with. Correct. Correct. And you have to be able to disassociate your personal thoughts and feelings, um, depending on what you're coaching on. Now, when you're coaching, you're, that's the other thing. There's a different perspective of coaching than there is mentoring. Right. And anybody that's taken Andy Hall's course will have heard that. Um, Coaching, mentoring, and training. Yes. There's, they all have their place. But they all have a different perspective and a different way that they're that they're delivered. And you just have to be able to move those hats around. But um, to me, perspective plays such a key role because half the time, if we're not aware, we don't realize what role perspective is playing in our decisions and what we're what we're doing, what we're in our interactions. Um, you kind of have to have the awareness so that you can see what perspective is coming out so that you can work within that. Yeah. And that comes to a self-awareness also. Mm-hmm. So when you're working with somebody, you're, you're coaching somebody or you're being coached, we have to be aware of ourselves. We have to have a self-awareness to number one, understand what's being said, understand what's being asked. And then being able to answer the question correctly from our own perspective and be open to what the other person says. And right. not, that, not that not that we're um, what they say might be more correct than what our perspective is, but it is a different view. And it is. That, oh, a, yeah. a good coach will help you see that. Right. Right. And you 
we also need to model that behavior. Yes. So yes. having that openness, um, we all don't have to agree on everything. Right, right. We just have to learn how to disagree peacefully. And that in itself is a different perspective, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, in a corporate world, when we're working with our corporate clients and things like that, um, conflict resolution is something that definitely we have to be able to step back and get a different perspective on things. Um, and, and conflicts arise all the time. You have different personalities. Um, you have different uh, lifestyles. You have all sort, all sorts of different. You have you have um, all different age ranges. Now, you know, you get a twenty year old in in a meeting or in a in conflict with a sixty year old. There's two entirely different life perspectives and two entirely different cultural perspectives there uh -huh. that we need to learn how to navigate through. And we have to be able to see it from the other person's perspective. Isn't that correct? Yes. I mean, that's, that's a whole different, um, it's two different, it's cultures, it's expectations. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's, Again, we have to remember there's no right or wrong yeah. in that. Um, it's what it, how can you balance, balance that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so as we're, as we're moving through our, um, our day and as Sam and I continue our, um, our episodes, we'll show you how to work within your perspective, honoring somebody else's perspective and smoothly being more open to the things that are, you know, cause if we stay closed down, we're going to miss a lot. Yes. And those that think differently than us, that look differently than us, that work differently than us, that live differently than us, they have so many new experiences for us to offer to us and we did and we do for them. Right. And I think it's, I think this is one of the most exciting times to be living because we have four to five active generations in just about yes. any, in any situation we, we come upon. Yeah. Any and, organization, any, regardless, whether, whether it's social, whether it's, yeah. Religious, whether it's corporate, whatever it is, you, you have the potential to have that many generations and, and it can be challenging. It can be challenging, but I think it's exciting. I think it's fabulous. Think oh, of, I agree. And like, if you're looking in, an, in a corporate environment, think about if you're working on a project, if you have somebody from each generation on the project team, you can work together to design a product or a service that can be very almost all encompassing mm -hmm. because you've got everybody's feed feedback and perspective going in there to make something that's going to be not just a niche. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with a niche, but so in respect to how, this would go for time. Um, 
I mean, I just know even just between me and my son, and there's not even 20 years difference between the two of us. He has a whole different view of time. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Than I did. And I don't know if that's just generational or if it's gender as well. Um, yeah. He's single. He's very good about time, but I was raised, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with people showing up right on time. Now, he is good if something's, if he's running late, he lets you know, or he lets his boss know. It's just, I think the the younger generations, it's been more relaxed for them. Yes. Yes, and coming out of coming out of what we went through a few years ago with COVID, yeah. you know that that changed a whole lot. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the time thing. So I was raised, like you say, fifteen minutes early, you're late, and I tried to instill that in my children. And it's funny because they've instilled that into my grandchildren, mm-hmm. and it's been interesting to watch. Especially, uh, I have a granddaughter who lives close by, and she is now, she gets upset when people aren't 15 minutes early uh-huh. know, for their shift. And they're, don't you understand? You're the same generation I am. This is, you know, this is something we, you know, and so it's really kind of funny, but, but you're right. The generational view of time is, it, it can be really skewed. And this, that, that leads to a conflict in a lot of business and, and with a lot of people. So if you have that conflict, now you have to resolve the conflict and you have to resolve the time issue. So don't you think that if a lot of that may be resolved, um, if like on a new hire or when you're working within a team, properly setting the expectation and the reasoning behind the the why behind the 15 minutes early, how, how do you think, how do you think somebody like me would be able to, give my perspective and give my idea to a 20 year old so that they weren't offended. Um, a lot depends on the kind of job that they're doing. Mm -hmm. If it's one where there's a time clock, you would think it would be a pretty easy thing to say, you know, here's the deal. If you're, if you're not within a certain time frame, it's going to mark you 15 minutes late. Right. There's a lot of time systems that do that. Yes. I never understood that that concept, but I learned it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't docked 15 minutes. Um, I think a lot of it, it's part of explaining corporate culture. And if you're doing an interview and you haven't hired them yet, you say, you kind of lay it out, especially if it's something that in your corporation or in your organization is not very flexible, mm-hmm. then I don't know that you want to stress it overly much so that you scare them off. A lot of the younger generation doesn't want to have to work under really strict requirements. Right. Right. And corporate, I think we're still kind of lagging behind and making some better adjustments. If they spent the last three years working from home, yes, I can tell you working from home now, I can guarantee that's more flexible, but yes. I can also guarantee that they're probably putting in extra time. I know when I worked my corporate job, I had four days a week I could work from home. 
And I found that after dinner, I was going up and doing things and just like, you know, you're off the clock. And I said, well, I'm salaried. I said, but it's in my head and I want to get this idea started. So tomorrow I don't forget. And it's not like I was up till midnight or anything, but. Right, right. And that's, that's that idea of flex time in the yeah. corporate world is, is so important if it's, if it works for your company and if it works for what you do. And, you know, I have a guy, uh, a friend of mine who's very, very techie and he works for a, a international company. Mm-hmm. And so he's a night owl. So if he works it till two, three, four o'clock in the morning, who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. He gets his work done and that's what he does. That's when he thrives. And so it kind of messes up his social life, you know, but, you know, it's kind of you got to find somebody who's yeah. um, working those kind of hours also. Right. And he, and, he, and he works from home and he can actually work from anywhere because it's all, all 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 cloud and computer driven. But I think if the expectation is not set up, you couldn't do that in a restaurant. You couldn't do that um, in a like a, a tire shop or, or something like that. No. There's really no such thing as flex time there. Well, no, if you're. If you're opening the shop, you have to be there and not just, you know, if the shop opens at eight, you got to be there before eight o'clock. It's supposed to be unlocked, open and ready for customers at eight o'clock. And I think that's, I think some of the younger generation may be more literal. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, think about how you explain things to your kids and your grandkids. Yeah, depending on how old you are. Um, I mean, I know, and I'm, most of the people I know, as the kids grow up through the teen years, they're very literal because they use those for loopholes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh-huh. and you know, it's kind of funny because when um, when I was working, a lot of the guys used to get, and even some of the girls would get mad. They're like, "You're in mom mode." I said, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said, and it, I said, I'm not saying this to be mean. I said, but, but you guys are behaving in child mode. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I'm hearing things from you that I hear from my son at home. And I apologize, but we have to make sure that we close those loopholes. Right, Just like right. when the kids are looking at you, well, well, you didn't tell me I couldn't do that. Right. Right. <laughs> And it's, and it's maddening. And in the teenage years, they use that to test their boundaries and to see how far they can go. But think about that when you're talking to whoever you're talking to, that if being there at eight o'clock is the requirement, or the shop opens at eight o'clock and the requirement is they're there at 745 to unlock and have everything set up, then their start time don't tell them it's eight o'clock. You tell them the start time for you, your shift starts at 745. 745. Yeah. And it, it's unfortunate, but a lot of business owners, and I, I know a lot of them that they, they expect their openers to be there at 15 minutes before, uh, but they don't make it clear that yes, definitely you're being paid for this. Right. And so right. We've, talked, we've talked a lot about um, uh, time and the perspective and, and folks perspective on it. And we're running out of a little bit of time here. We want to honor people's time. So uh, we will come back again and talk some more about perspective and perspective when it comes also to a little more about time. And then also people's perspectives when it comes to money, because generationally, the whole money thing and is it's, it can be a nightmare. It's completely, it's completely different. Um, 
even just between my generation and my parents, and then mine and my sons. And again, when we say generations, it doesn't have to be a big age gap. I'm only 19 years older than my son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not just age, it's, and we'll get into this also, is lifestyle. Yes. So that's not necessarily age dependent. It's just where do you fall and how you think of things. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way we can bring perspective around because, you know, I always say you can't really balance. Yeah. It has time to be life. harmonious. Yeah, it's not a time life balance. It's a it's a it's a har harmony. Harmony. Harmony, yeah. And um but having a good perspective on things can help get that harmony. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'd like to thank you for listening to Balancing Act, Mastering Time, Life, and Money. And please uh stay tuned for our next episode episode and feel free to share this if you would like. Uh, once again, uh, thanks for listening. This has been Sam McEwen and Linda Wilson. Thanks again. Have a great day. Have a great one.